1: Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born, men are made.
0: We're going to separate the men from the boys.
1: A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode.
0: Men in the Arena Army, we we salute salute you. you today because you are grinding it out. In the stress bubble of life, a.k.a. the arena. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Man Card Podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our goal for every episode, guys, is to call you into the arena of manhood, to call you out of the faceless, nameless, male-dominated bleachers, and to call you up to becoming the best version of you, because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Hey, I'm Jim Ramos, and as you heard that deep, basal tone, my buddy Dale Culver is the backbone and the pro, 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 producer of the Man Card Podcast. How you doing, my man? Doing awesome. And I got my tongue tied up a little bit there. That's gross. That's what happens when you switch from uh, caffeine to decaf. Ooh, your world falls, falls apart. Farts apart. See, see it happen again. <laughs> Let's just get out here. So, hey, we got a man word today, and I'm going to guess it.
1: Okay, do it. Do it. Come on.
0: <sighs> okay, so based on our guest today, on, I'm going to go with do Warrior. It. Yes. Did I get it? Yes. yes! Yeah. I wasn't going to say warrior because it's a little. I thought that we've used that before, I was, but I, I was it. afraid I was going to say I think it that's only
1: you, the third one I've got. And then you were going to say, we've already used that word before. I,
0: I thought we had. That's why I was hesitant to go with warrior. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, so, why did you pick
1: warrior besides was, the, the obvious? Yeah. The obvious, it's in his bio and his book, you know, our guest. And no. Uh, that and uh, that we are warriors and uh, that looks different. Not. We're not keyboard warriors. We're not supposed to be that, because man, I, I've seen enough of them. Yeah, they need to stop and get a job. Um, and then <laughs> I could just be. They like- They need to get oriented. I could be like Trump with the reporter yesterday. I didn't. I don't even go. Shut there. up. Just yeah, shut just up. Sit down. Yeah, don't even <laughs> do that. Don't, anyways, don't do that. No, uh, we love people. We love everybody. So, um, yeah, warrior, you gotta you gotta be a warrior for your family, for your bride. Um, and that means uh, you got to sacrifice some things, and so you know. get that Yeah, the sword only thing I would swinging. disagree
0: with you is I don't think we are all warriors. I well, think we're all created to be warriors, right? But I think there are a lot of wimps out there that that choose to live as a lesser self. I, uh, from our author's book, he he said he would say they default to their false self, and so right. I think there are a lot of men living as not the best version of themselves. I right. think many, many, many men, mm-hmm. and so our goal and our heart and our desire is to call them out of that and to call them into. Their best version, which we believe only comes through Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's our heart and that's our desire. And I got to tell you, I'm really excited. We had our first ever uh, Men in the Arena virtual team meeting last night. We had seven guys from California, Oregon, Missouri, Mississippi, and Massachusetts. The Massachusetts guy called in at 10 o'clock his time. Nice. So it was a really wonderful meeting with these guys. They really connected. It was really, really amazing. If you're one of our men in the arena and you don't have a place to fellowship, please let us know about these virtual teams. We do them through Facebook Video Messenger. It's I, it's really, I'm really excited about this. So, good stuff. So, anyway. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. Also, guys, we do have the date of our death ruck. If you want to do our 50-miler this year in two days, so that's going to be June 22nd and 23rd. Mm-hmm. So love to have you guys be a part. And, and actually, bring your wives. They're more than welcome to come. And so uh, we had a gal come last year, and she was like our medic, and she was amazing. Bring so, the medic. Her husband drove the trail car, and uh, it was awesome. So bring hey, that. I'm excited today about our guest, uh, Michael Thompson. He is 54 years old, so just a little bit older than me. Lives in Durham, North Carolina. He is the president and director of Zoe, which is a ministry for men and couples. He's been doing that for 10 years. He's authored three, uh, two books: "Search and Rescue," "The Life and Loving," "The Life and Love Looking for You," and then "The Heart of a Warrior." Before you be, can become the warrior, you must become the beloved son, which we're going to talk about in depth in the next two podcasts. And then he's got a book coming up real soon: "Michael Brazen, Fearless, Bold, and Without Shame." Huh? Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: When yeah, is that yeah. coming out?
2: Well, you know, the there was there was an interesting response to "The Heart of a Warrior," so uh, Brazen will be out. Probably in the early spring, and um, it's it's really one that is more uh, women were starting to read Heart of a warrior, uh, either grabbing, you know, the book that was on there or buying it for their husbands and, and getting into it a little bit. Yeah. And So um, there's been a some some good rumbling of you know when's the women's book coming out. So my wife and I have made some translations. Not not everything is the same, obviously. For uh, what does it look like to be. Uh, a warrior princess you know what's it look like to be a warrior queen what's it look like to be strong and 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 bring this uh this this name that god gives women in the garden ezzer and it's a name uh Ezer what's that look like what's that mean and so anyway brazen is coming in the spring and we're we're working on that even now so uh, yeah
0: so that's more focused on the ladies
2: yeah it, it'll it'll have it'll be more directed for them but uh i'm hoping that a lot of men will pick it up because i'm um, um uh, Robin is does does some speaking and sharing at some of the men's weekends about the heart of a woman and you know she always steals the show i it really is hard for me to ever follow her up after that and so uh, yeah we just thought we'd put some of that stuff in some pages so i think men will really appreciate some of the things that, that she's offering there so oh that's yeah.
0: really good that's really good so <laughs> under accomplishments uh, you wrote being a kingdom son husband of yeah. robin and I'm guessing 28 years still 28 mm-hmm. years Father to Ashley, Hannah, and Abby, they are 25, 23, and 21. Now uh-huh. Dale said that you did you plan it to name in your daughters Aha? Uh-huh? A yes. H A. You did? Yeah. No. no, no come no, on. No, 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 okay. No. I was like there's no, no happy way. Happy accident. Happy accident. Okay. <laughs> I love it. His all his all Dale's daughters are all H's and his wife is an H. Heather, Hannah, Hayden, and Haley. So, uh You have three I, daughters,
1: Dale. That's
2: awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, praise that's, God. That, that's why we that's why we do men's ministry, Dale. Um, that's right. it's, <laughs> we we got to get out of the house every now and then and uh, mix it up. Mix it up with the brothers. So. Oh man,
0: put yeah. the fear of God in these young guys. So anyway, that's right. Old Testament, oh, yeah. Jeez Old Testament, God, Yahweh's coming. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Hey, he's also part of uh, the redemptive, redemptive community called Zoe where they pursue intimacy with God and deep friendships with one another. His passion and mission in life is creating an environment for men to connect with God, guiding and sharing with men what it looks like to live an oriented life, to experience who they are, where they are and the good God is up to in their lives. Now, I had to translate that into my gym language as why they are. So we'll talk more about that in the podcast because I think that's a big part of it. And so, Michael, we're going to throw you, man. We're going to throw you into the rapid-fire round. Are you ready for this? I
2: don't know. I hope so, yeah. Let's let's see if I'm standing after it. Let's do it. Well,
0: this to me is maybe the toughest rapid-fire round. We call it the would-you-rather round. Okay. And so I'm going to ask you questions, starting with the phrase, would you rather, and you just tell me which one you would choose and why. And so we'll start off with a fairly easy one. Would you rather climb Mount Everest or skydive out of a plane at 30,000 feet? Skydive. Really? (laughs) Okay. Why is that? You know,
2: uh, I have a daughter who does that, and I have not done it yet. And, um, and yeah, the idea of flying... Versus trudging up Mount Everest sounds uh, a, a little more appealing to me. Um, I, yeah, and yeah, I've just heard it's a sensational, amazing, um, amazing uh, thing to do. So uh, a bucket yeah. list for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. And I'd love, it, I'd love it, to fly. I'd love to fly for however many seconds or minutes that puts me up there.
0: Well, and you probably will live if you climb Mount Everest. The chances of living are less, I'm yeah. sure. So. I would,
2: or losing a toe, or
0: a toe or, then, or yeah. your fingers, yeah, yeah, so.
2: yeah, nose, I, whatever. Yeah. I
0: would, I would go with Mount Everest personally, just because I don't. I, no, I'm not jumping out of a plane, but anyway, uh, that's okay. Would you rather talk your way out of a situation or fight your way out? Ooh, yeah, uh,
2: one, yeah, uh, talk my way first. I'd, t- I'd rather try yeah. to do that.
0: Yep, yep, I agree. So. I shouldn't say I agree. I got to be careful not to influence these guys' answers. So, if you lived your life again, Michael, would you rather live in the past or live in the future?
2: Oh man, I love history and story. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I, I, I God takes me back to characters sometimes in, in 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 history and identity pieces sometimes in and uh, how He sees me and 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 who I am in the kingdom and. So I have some, yeah, I have some affinity with some history. So I, I'd say
0: that. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Would you rather live forever but have all the ones you love die or live a year with the people you love?
2: Oh, a year with
1: the people I love.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. Okay, here's a tough one. This was a t- this one's a tough one, I think. For a lot of guys, is a tough one. For me, this wasn't a tough one, but for, we'll see. Would you rather die for your wife or die for a child?
2: Oh man, yeah, I see the toughness. Um, or a child, and we got when you have uh, four of them. I'm
0: sorry, your yeah. child, one of your children, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, my child. Um, yeah, I, I'd probably choose one of my children at this
0: point. Interesting. Interesting. 28 years,
2: 28 years, we'll be together forever in the kingdom. I mean, yeah. That's a good one man no.
0: she would probably want you to choose your children
2: yeah right yeah. And, and if you asked me in an hour I might I might answer differently
0: if you if so. I asked you after she listened to the podcast
2: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah no I hear yeah. your answer is interesting you did something I don't do you you answered according to what you your wife would want you to do which that was yeah. wise that was wise so Maybe. yeah yeah that's a tough one though
2: yeah, that's brutal. Let's, that let's, would be brutal. That'd be a brutal situation to be in. That would be and brutal. Be, and
0: yeah, yeah. Well, Okay, let me get into the interview questions, man. So, uh, hey, in five minutes, you know, I, I feel like I know you pretty well. I've went on your website. I've listened to some uh, a couple videos that you're in. I've read the book. Uh, I have a friend. We have a mutual friend, T- Troy um, uh, Mangum. Who, oh yeah. Uh, who who oh, actually yeah, recommended awesome. me to you? Uh, yeah. Anyway, I call him Troy Magnum. likes that yeah yeah (laughs) but I just uh you know but I know you pretty I feel like I know you a little bit but in five minutes why don't you tell our listeners your story uh in other words your personal life things that you enjoy hobbies anything else about you that you think will be pertinent
2: yeah um so you know born in 64 a kid of the you know 60s 70s um back then when recess was still in elementary school and we pledged allegiance to the flag and um, you know, had, uh, had a really idyllic, uh, grew up with two brothers and just five years in between us. So we moved around a little bit. Um, my dad was a commercial heating and air salesman and, and good at it. And so we kind of hit territories in the West and what that meant for my parents in the cities that we lived, most weekends were adventures and exploration and, um, you know, camping and, uh, my dad was a was a good college athlete so you know bats and balls were a part of uh, our family but God was a part of our family Uh we you know I, I think honestly um Jim I was probably I might have been 10 or 11 before I knew that I met somebody that didn't go to church wow. and, and one and even wondered like how can you do that are you sure that I don't think that's allowed Um and, and that was the years of uh, you were either a Protestant or a Catholic. Yeah. Um, you know, there was dividing lines there, um, but church was just a part of the family. Our family's culture. We have, you know, a uh, big family and uncles, aunts, cousins, and all that stuff. So, um, so where that took me in my faith journey, um, all that mixed together. When when I when I was twelve and my brother eleven, we walked the Nile in a church. Um, we saw plenty of people get baptized. We saw a lot of people go forward and so we made our you know commitment um in the formal sense that way um sunday school you know some a lot a lot of church on sundays sunday nights uh things like that so when it was our turn you know to go forward and 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 make that decision it really was driven by um you got door number one and door number two one's heaven one's hell Mm -hmm. what do you which one you want and i'm like you know, this is kind of kind of like the like your question, rapid fire earlier. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, is this a trick question? And, you know, yeah, I, I, I'll i choose heaven. And so but uh, what happened to me, particularly with athletics and, 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 and continuing to play sports in junior high, high school, college, that, I mean, I, I really my heart was alive there and identified with a lot of that performance kind of life, along Mm -hmm. with other things, grades, music, so much performance life that, um, and and, and how that leaked into my faith and my faith journey. And maybe it's true for, uh, it's true for most of the men that I talk to and that we get to uh, spend some time with, you know, that leaked, that leaked further into my, um, my faith than my faith leaked into life. And, and God, you know, every Sunday there was an altar call. Uh, we sang a lot of songs until somebody kind of came forward or, you know, did something. There was a lot of guilt that I, that I felt, and I'm talking at 12, 13, 14, and wow. some of my worst years are actually in front of me um, still. But, you know, you just you were just reminded and pretty pounded pretty good about sin. And so uh, communion, you know, was another time that, that had a pretty heavy Um, uh, for me anyway, the way I processed it, not saying that all the pastors and teachers delivered it that way, but it processed in me, you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. And it really brought a pretty good wedge in between God's love and me and Mm. and the conditional, the conditional elements of that. And um, so, so uh, Dale, I don't know about, all your, your story or Jim, your history, but I, I think I accepted Christ into my life a couple hundred times,
1: <laughs> um,
2: be, you know, because it wasn't working. It was kind of the yeah. feeling or, you know, you had this sense that, um, you know, if I didn't mess up, you know, it was kind of that spank and you're going to get a spank in any way because you will or,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and, and just in case. And so God, you know, what I started to form in, in my belief system internally was God's pretty mad. Um, he took, he took it out on Jesus, uh, and you know, you can, you can have Jesus, but God's still going to stay pretty mad. Um, and and he's distant and, and he doesn't, you're really not going to get to talk to him. He's going to use mediums and mediators and, um, and, and yet, you know, I, I think that's, that's some of the stuff that had to fall off of me later Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm, life, mm -hmm. but, but that gives you a little bit of background, um got involved in um college sports played was a college basketball player went on to play actually at the time there was a team called Athletes in Action that I loved a couple yeah. of seasons with Athletes in Action back in the uh, early 90s um and I do want to go on record the socks got shorter and and the and the shorts got longer I played in that generation so um if uh, you're looking at looking at dating me um yeah that the uh the opportunity to continue to play was good, and then I ended up in a campus ministry full time. Um, after that, I joined Athletes in Action staff, and oh, wow. my wife and I got my wife and I met on staff, and we landed at Duke University, where we were the AIA staff for eleven years, and loved that. And then stepped into um, stepped into what 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 we're talking about, what we're doing um, back in. Uh, early 2000s. I went back to school and, and got a seminary degree in counseling, got a master's in counseling. Um, God was about to renovate my life in a very significant way at 38, 39 and 40. That's when a lot of this stuff got worked on mm. and, and, and a lot of it worked out. Um, a book that I think many of us in the, in the men's initiative world found me, uh, Wild at Heart. And that was really the beginning of my unraveling. I've told this story a few times where, you know, where the monkeys get the scarecrow on the on the yellow brick road. That that's that's what God was doing to me with all kinds of love and all kinds of and, and rescue and all kinds of redemption. He was uh, pulling me apart so that he mm-hmm. could he could put me back together. And and that. That's where Zoe kind of comes into the story um, after after Wild at Heart and a few years of working with Ransom Heart and John and being a part of some things going on there. Uh, things that, like you guys are doing, things like we're, we're doing. Um, those were formative for me or reformative mm. years for me. And uh, we eventually left staff to start Zoe and um, and and the redemptive community part. There was friends. We were doing this together. And we really realized that a lot of this journey is about friendship. It's yeah. um, it's about having good men and, and women in your foxhole, on your team, on the farm, doing the chores together, you know, that kind of stuff. And I don't mean farm literally. I just mean, yeah. you know, that the mm-hmm. we got to do day to day. Um, and so those were huge years that I didn't know we were building something or that a foundation was being built. But but it was um, a lot of men went out to Colorado, did some of John's stuff with me, came home and, and, you know, all of a sudden the affinity and, you know, you mentioned orientation earlier, some of those things started to become clearer to us. And, you know, um, as we were growing in, in friendship and intimacy with God and with each other, um, that those were, those were the beginning ingredients for so much of what Zoe, uh, how it started and, and, and what we, what we were fortunate and blessed to be a part of starting. So yeah,
0: wow. that's it so, in a nutshell. So now, where'd you do your undergraduate stuff? Where'd you play basketball?
2: Central Oklahoma Penitentiary. Um, <laughs> we were uh, we were a Division two school in between Oklahoma State and OU. We had so many transfers and so many yeah. eligible guys. Yep. Coaches coaches that threatened us all the time with when these guys get eligible, Thompson, you're going to be on the end of the bench. Well, it was a it was a wild. We had we had we had World War Threes in practice, you know, so we were, game days were easy compared. And we had good teams in football, wrestling, basketball, we had really good teams. So that, that's a school that my dad went to and outside of Oklahoma City and uh, Central Oklahoma was a was a good place for me. And then that, that led into the Athletes in Action opportunity. So that was undergrad. And then put, I didn't think I'd go back to school, but you put, put about 15 years on there and I really did go back to school, um, Jim, because there was an ache in me, something that yeah. I I I didn't know. But all I knew was, okay, so God and I aren't where I want us to be. So maybe I need to learn more. Maybe I need yeah. more academics. Maybe I need more theology. And I'm a kid who grew up in church, so I had I had quite a quite a wall full of diplomas if 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 you yeah. uh, if you do it by attendance. But as you guys know, you can. You, longevity doesn't always equal maturity. And, you know, I was repeating fourth grade over and over and over again in a lot of ways. And that's how, you know, God began to... It was that seminary that, that the whole Eldridge and, and Wild at Heart came. So that's where things got really interesting for me. To, so Wild at to Heart, he,
0: he wrote that in 2001, I think. So right around yeah, 2001, yeah. 2002, you're having this yeah. reformation. Right. Or deconstruction, yeah, exactly. I like to say.
2: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so that's so exactly. you
0: form Zoe... So zoe is the Greek word for life. So what would you say in a sentence your mission for zoe is? Um, to, um, yeah, to love people back to life. So do people come to conferences and camps that you put on, or do you do yeah. groups around the country? What's the major, your major, yeah. what's your best play?
2: Yeah some of the, some of all of that, but I think, I think what's becoming the best play and it's kind of gotten inverted where we were kind of just a local initiative here with small groups and, and one-on-one. Um, I never hung out the counseling, uh, shingle that much. I was more of a medic running around yeah. and meeting people and, and, um, and, and, and helping that way. Um, but when we started hosting weekends, that, that now is, is kind of our, uh, a place of of where, where a lot of beginnings happen, where, Ah. you know, 400 guys come together and and walk into this and and come out the other end very different, uh, at least in orientation um, and even experiences and encounters with God. So we want to create environments where, you know, God will love people to life where we can, we can kind of be the, the, uh, the waiters and the, and the, the hostesses and set the tables and, and try to, um, try to foster that environment
0: where men can connect with God. And do you have your own, you said 400, 400 men? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Are you, do you have your own camp facility? or rent out of facility. Yeah. We, you know what,
2: we've partnered with young life facilities. That's for the way to do it. Seven, eight, seven, eight years. And they don't, you know, very few do it as well as they do. Yep, that's um,
0: the true and, statement. And so,
2: you know, and they have a playground, uh, there for guys, you know, you know, when we can shoot stuff and throw stuff and, um, you know, fish and and different things for free time. So it, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty important getaway where guys can unplug, yeah, um, and and get that kind of quiet. Uh, and a young life facility has all the porches and yep. the rocks and trees and places for a guy to retreat in order to uh, to get his heart back.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love. It. Let's let's jump into your book. So uh, okay. you wrote a book called The Heart of a Warrior. And the subtitle is "Before you become a warrior, you must become a beloved son." So now I have a question about your title. So you wrote the book for Christians, right? I'm assuming this is primarily for Christians.
2: Primary. So True. when you primarily,
0: said, yeah. "So at, when I'm a when I be when I accept Christ, I am a beloved son." So I'm assuming that you're telling men yeah. that they need to receive this thing that God has offered to them. Is that how I interpret yeah. the title?
2: Yeah, I think yes. That there is. Uh, there's a, there's a belovedness being loved should have an effect on us yeah. and settle us in a way that our question, our core, core question of, like John said in his book, Wild at Heart, you know, do I have what it takes yeah. is answered yes. And, and, and prior to that, you know, little boys and little girls come into this world asking a question
0: mm-hmm.
2: or a couple questions. Do you see me and do you love what you see? Yes. Do you, do you, do you want to be with me? Um, and so, when those questions are answered, then we don't have to panhandle anymore with other image bearers to, to provide the weighty answers uh, that our hearts long to hear. If we can go to our Maker, if we can go to our Creator, if we can go to our Father with those questions and and he and experience Him answering them, I think I think memorizing the verses are really important. And I'm that guy, you know, Jim and Dale, who, who had the theology where I was really shallow was. Experiencing or making the connections, anyway, of experiencing God's love, and if He's the most loving being in the universe, then then we ought to be experiencing it on a on a pretty heavy, regular basis. And so that's why the belovedness needs to be exp- that. It's an experience, uh, Jim, that I was after in the book, that because that's what was tra- transforming me when when God was showing me and telling me, you know, the old show and tell that. That he, that he is particularly fond of me he loves me he made me for intimacy with himself and he loves what he made. huh that' was a game changer it was it was just a game changer. Well you
0: know it's really interesting you had said earlier as a college basketball athlete and I was a college football athlete uh, we and, and and let's strip that all away and just say it this way we're Americans. We are in a performance-driven country, and we are performance-based. And my dad could have played pro baseball or football. Your dad was an athlete. So we are, we're, 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 we're not pushed on, but this is something that's a value in the household. And uh, I had an experience a couple years ago. Well, it would have been 2000 and what is this year? Is this 18? 2017, the day before I shot the biggest bull of my life. This one right here, John Eldridge said, is just a baby bull. <laughs> he teases me for the who shot the baby bull, but I shot a giant bull. And the day before oh. that hunt, I had an experience with God where I was really frustrated and knew that there was something going on in my life. And basically, uh, basically what God showed me was, I want to affirm you, I want to validate you so you no longer right. have to compete, compare, criticize, uh, you know, all of these things. And uh, yeah. that moment, after that, I ended up shooting the biggest bull in my life after I missed the easiest shot of my life. And God just said, hey, look, this is what I can do. And then our ministry, since that elk hunt, has tripled, Dale, tripled, quadrupled. Right. Wow. I mean, our podcast went from 10,000 our first year to over 40,000 the second year. Things are blown up. And and I think a large part of it is because I realized I personally, on a personal level, received the belovedness or the affirmation or the validation of the Father, which really yeah. led me to a, a new—now, help me, maybe I'm using your terms wrong— a new orientation about who I am in the kingdom. And you wrote this in your book, and I love this statement. You wrote, quote, I resolutely hope for an uprising of men, oriented men, who will make a kingdom difference in the world. So help me understand when you say, I've never heard the phrase before, and I really like it. I'll probably never forget this phrase. But when you talk to us about an oriented man, what are you talking about?
2: Yeah. Um an oriented man is a man who knows who he is, where he is, and the good that God is up to in his life. Um and in in the kingdom, you know, knowing where you are is really important. That that's the environment in which you live. Are are you, you know, you think of um uh you think of um different characters who 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 understand the environment that they're in? Like Jason Bourne is a great example. He knows that he lives in a hostile environment. There's things looking for him now. Jason's problem is he doesn't know yet who he is. Yes. In the story, but Jason Bourne is a dangerous dude. You know, he he's trained in, in, in an environment uh, that is hostile. Uh, Bear Gryllis is another one. That guy drops into different places, oriented to the environment. He he brings the proper equipment. And he, and he you know and he knows what to eat and what not to eat you know uh which droppings to eat and which droppings not to you know so those are environmental that that that's that question well, what where I am do I know where I am
0: you you quote a lot from the movie Braveheart and Mel Gibson's character William Wallace really had an understanding in my opinion of who he was yeah. in other words he was a free man that's that's who he was is that, is that what you're talking about
2: yeah, and his father told him that, you know, yeah. in the vision earlier in the film as a boy. And then his uncle Argyle comes and reinforces all of that and, and helps him uh, return home in, in a major, huge conflict, right? England and Scotland, but with a very settled heart. And he wanted to be a farmer and, a, and he was really a peace. He mm-hmm. wanted to live in peace. But when they threatened his family, when they threatened the, the woman that he
0: loves, when he they threatened his his community he 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 rose up i love it well hey we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor we'll be right back the man card podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world the war to change your world is epic every battle counts and every man in the arena matters so get in the game by joining our closed facebook forum for men called the men in the arena there you will lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today no book written defines manhood in such a way as this i'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic yes i believe it's that good in the man card i expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males this book will change your life guys thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time become your best version join the fight to change your world because when you get it
1: everyone wins
0: Okay, so now let's go to number two in orientation. And actually the funny part is my second, my next question was the one you're answering right now because I think okay. the oriented man is a man who knows who he is, where he is. And then I changed a little bit what you wrote on the third one just for my own understanding and simplicity. But let's talk about where he is. Now, to me, when I read that, I thought, okay, where am I in the context of my geography? I'm in uh, McMinnville, Oregon. Where am I in the context of time? Where am I in the context of my relationships? Where am I in the context of, uh, you know, uh, our, our, just our economy? You know, where am I? I'm thinking of along these terms. Am, am I? Are there other things that are bigger than that that we need to be thinking yeah. about in our contextual analysis of where we are?
2: Yeah, I think those are. I think those are kind of the the micro okay. context. Those are those are very real and and real time and relationships and all those things. And then I think you have to pan out. the macro you know there's the microscope and the telescope you the the and and the thing that i think well we know that a lot of men are suffering from they don't understand the larger story that their story's in and i love that you use the word uh jim context you know if i say if i say um there's a relationship between characters and con and 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 the environment that they're in so if i say winnie the pooh and tigger you know the environment is the hundred acre woods if I say galaxies far, far away, you know, we're talking about Jedis and the, and, and the force. So but if we live without context and we don't understand the larger story, you were talking about some things that were in 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 your immediate story. And what what we mean is the larger story of the spiritual realm and how it works. If, if you don't most men don't understand how the spiritual realm works, the economy and and you know, I'll tell you who, I'll tell you a couple of people who got it right. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, in Middle Earth, that is a great analogy and illustration of how the kingdoms work. You've got two kingdoms at war, you know, good versus evil. That's why we tell so many stories with good versus evil. That's why, because we live in a story with good versus evil. Yes, yes. and And, and, and we live in a story that good wins and and we we always tell that story that good wins. and it may take a trilogy to get there but eventually <laughs> event and and so lewis had it also with narnia i mean these screw are screw tape very letters amazing. screw tape letters uh the white witch the pevensey children you know the matrix um is another i mean so these these aren't just illustrations of um of fantasy these these are realities that the Christian kingdom, man and woman, need to understand how it works, you know. Um, and so we we strive in our in our ministry to, you know, to to walk people into these orientation questions. And and that's that's a huge one. Is do you understand the the story that your story is in? It's because like- the con- the context is re- the relationship is thick.
0: Yeah, we live in the midst of a grand kingdom drama that's unfolding right. before us, that's right. beyond. So our orientation is understand where we are in the middle of that. That that it, you know that which is seen with the eyes is temporal, but that right. which is unseen is eternal. I believe that's Second Corinthians four eighteen, and this yeah, is what you're true. talking about, right? The physical yeah. world, the tangible world versus the intangible. So understanding. Well, this is the you so know I'm going to be I'm going to I, I look at life pretty simple. I think for men, we need to really simplify things. And so for me, I, I've simplified it to this. You know, we want men to be the best version of themselves, but how can a man be his best version unless he's radically sold out to Jesus Christ? This is very simple to me because we can't get oriented oriented if we aren't radically sold out to the one who created yep. us and put us in the midst yep. of the story. Does I mean, yep. is is that, is that what you're talking about?
2: Yeah, and and just like you... You know, we'd have to say we're talking about that and ten other things. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I wish it was. I wish it was simpler. And and really, when you're an oriented man, it gets simpler. Yeah.
0: I mean, Ooh, you okay. put you
2: put me in, you put me in a cockpit, Dale and Jim. You you don't want me to hit any buttons, and you don't want me to put try to put that thing in the air. I'm not oriented to that space. Yeah. But but you put one of my friends who is a you know he's he's oriented there. He's been trained. In how what what all those buttons do, how they work, and he's the one I want to be in front of me on the nose of that plane, getting me from here to wherever. So so we, and, and it and becomes simple to him, he, he because he's been trained that way, and I think that's part of what we we do want to offer men is healing and training, healing. And training and how the world works who you are in it as a kingdom man and the good that God's up to in your life and the, and the restorative good that God's up to in the whole story so that that context that we're talking about you know that's what I mean ten other things um, and, and if and if you if you are naive or you're or you're ignorant or or you just want to kind of put your head in the sand you really don't want to be in Narnia you don't want to live in Middle-earth you don't want to enter into the matrix it's it's going to hammer you. You're, you're going to be a casualty and a victim over and over and over again, because we live in we live in a war. We live in a battle. And, and that's what happens in war and battle to those who who, who, who don't want to fight or, or wish they could be pacifists. And so how does it what kind of armor, what, what kind of equipment has has God given us in the kingdom and how do we wield it? as if we're going to as if we're going to need it. When Jesus gives his power and authority to his friends, you know, it implies that we're going to need his power and authority.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to get hammered because that's what life does to us. But if we're oriented, we reorient, we get back up, we and you wrote somewhere in your book, oh man, if I can find this quote, today these days I get to hang out with men, oriented men, men who are not bulletproof but who get hit far less. Than they used to. Men who struggle, but who struggle well. And so that I love that quote because it speaks to what you just said. You know, these are and let's I mean, let's 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 be honest. In reality, we deal with men. I've dealt with men on the far Pentecostal scale. I've dealt with men on the far (laughs) Catholic scale. And what I've realized is most these men live their lives pretty similar. Divorce rates are mm-hmm. the same in and out of the church. So, if we over spiritualize that, we miss a major point. And the major point is this: if we know where we are and if we know who we are, when we get hit, like King David, we get back up again. When or when we choose yeah. the sin path, we get back up again. Which leads me to my next question: You talked about um, an oriented man knows who he is. He knows where he is. Now, I'm gonna. I I, I like to keep things for me uh, so I can remember them. And I just realized the third one I probably would forget. The third one is knowing the good that God is up to. So for Mm -hmm. me, now tell me if I'm wrong here, correct me, because I want to know your heart and what you're thinking here. But I wrote down an oriented man knows who he is, where he is, and why he is. Yeah. How how are those dissimilar? Because I think there's a little bit dissimilarity there.
2: Yeah. When I, I I, I like why. I like, I I think it's a huge, a huge um, question and a huge answer for men we want to know because why takes me to purpose and 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 if we get that out of order that's what i think i think that gets challenging for men when when you when you when you try to ask the first question why am i here you you can very well not get answered the core questions of who am i when you answer the who am i question the fruit of that is calling purpose direction and why and the answer to why but if but if if you're trying to strive or prove or um or arrange that then you're not a set you're not an oriented man yet you're you're you're, you but you could be on your way you know to be settled and bring who i am to the world and what god's given me to offer the world rather than trying to go to the world to get a a definition or understanding of who i am
0: well and you said it in your book go ahead go ahead i've
2: done that Yeah, I've done that. that, 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 That's a recipe for disaster.
0: It is a recipe for—it's secular humanism. I mean, it's—but what you said in your book was really good uh, because, you know, I think knowing the good that God is up to, a man who knows why he is, he sees the good that God is up to in the midst of— Bad things that happen. Romans eight twenty eight. For God works all things the good for those who love God and according to His purpose and are called according to His purpose. That guy knows that. But you said something in your book that I really resonated with, because you know we talk a lot about finding your purpose, finding your mission. You know, what's your why? Why are you here? Yeah. And uh, you know, my why. uh, I was in an ICU. I was. uh, I had. I got overdosed by an anesthesiologist after a football injury, and I'm in ICU. Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian kid who's not living for Jesus. I'm 19 years old. I'm blind. For three days I was blind because I got OD'd, my eyes swelled shut, and in ICU I heard the voice of God for the first time. And he said, I want you to make a difference in the lives of teens. In other words, the mission came to me, and I spent 25 years serving in that mission. And then in a coffee shop in Sisters, Oregon, I had an experience with God on a leather leather seat while reading a coffee cup quote by St. Irenaeus that said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And in that coffee, with that coffee cup in hand in Sisters, Oregon, in this uh, this brown leather chair, God said to me, basically, I've just changed your heart. Go work with men. And you said something in your book that really resonated with me, and you said we spend so much time, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, Looking for that mission or that purpose, but your proposal was a complete paradigm shift, and you said, and I, I'm, I'm again I'm paraphrasing here that with the oriented man, the mission comes to you, yeah. do, you do you remember that in the book Oh yeah
2: oh yeah I, yeah. I
0: really love that I thought he's going to get some hits for that, but I really really resonate. Can you elaborate yeah. on that thought?
2: yeah um, we've probably we we probably all heard the, the idea the quote that when the students are ready. What?
0: I the haven't te- heard that quote.
2: This, when the student when the student is ready, the teacher will appear.
0: I've never heard that before in my life.
2: Oh, it, it's
0: maybe, a, I mean go get, maybe I need to go back we, and get my seminary degree.
2: Yeah, we we're, well, I think we're back. I think I'm. I think I'm back there with Confucius somewhere on oh. that one. Actually, that that when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And what what we're saying, what what you just read, is 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 a twist, a pretty good twist on that. What if, when the teacher's ready, the students will appear? Oh, what if? What if, when God has you ready, He's going to bring the men and women that need to know an expert like you, who can who can share hope, like First Peter five. Be prepared to share the hope that's within you, mm. and do it with grace and love. And so the idea is that people are. If I'm, and I know we're. I'm not trying to be uh, too silly here, but. If I'm the Lord, and I know that I have an expert in recovery, or an expert in um, in grace, or an expert, and, and they've earned that through their life because God's put them in those situations. So, somebody who's in a marriage that's not going well, he needs a teacher that understands what it what it's like to live in a marriage that's not going well, mm-hmm. and has over and has overcome, and who has who has recovered hope, who has fallen in love again with his bride and, and has gone through those valleys, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, you know, the deal, you, you want a guy, uh, you know, it's the storms that make for the great captains. Yep. And, and yet none of us want to go through those trials, James says, but when you do, cause you will know that there's something God's after something good. So back to the, what's the good God's up to in your life that, that I think the whole idea that, that, that trials and training and learning struggling well learning how to do it learning how not to do it you know those are all those are all parts of what what we were trying to say when um you know missions will find you god will bring you one man maybe maybe a, an opportunity um a bunch of people who who he, when you're ready Right. When you're ready, he'll he'll bring you the people that he wants you to impact and influence and affect, just like he did in your life. And it's really easy to see when we look back at our lives, the, the people who had the greatest impact and, and, and helped us in the kingdom the most. They weren't people that I was looking for that day. They found me. It found me. And, and part of that mission, again, God growing us up. He's the one who's is very, very committed to fathering us. Uh, as as men, from boys and boyhood to men. And, and recovering our, our boyhood is really critical to recovering our masculinity.
0: You, okay, I love that statement. Recovering our boyhood is important in recovering our masculinity. See, there's this más uh, macho, this machismo attitude out there that says, you've got to put on a front, you've got to be this badass, you've got to be the toughest guy. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I, I totally get that, you get that. But what I, what I try to tell men is that eye of the tiger, it comes through the eye of a child, through the eye of the innocent, through the eye of the naive, through mm-hmm. the eye of, of those who are, you know, Jesus said, oh, oh, here it comes. Here comes revelation right now. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See God yeah. So we're talking orientation here. How can I have a macro orientation, to use your phrase, or to, to see the big picture, if I'm not living with a mindset and uh, the eyes to see God, and it comes through that recovery of our childlike innocence. Yeah. Yeah. That's the
2: belovedness. That's the beloved son. You know, that's that, that's that subtitle, you know, before you can become the warrior, you, you, you have to become the beloved son, have that, have the voice of the father, the presence of the father, the gifts of the father, the initiation, the validation of the father in, in your life. That's, that's transformational, life changing, life settling, heart, you know, wholeheartedness. and there's freedom in that. And that's the kind of men that we want. I, I, I want to be, and, and the men that I talk to, like you said, Pentecostal, the Catholic, you know, we we share this masculine DNA. Yes. And 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 denominationally is is not where we're divided. <laughs> it's not <laughs> And we not share not the God. same creator. That's right. We long to, to come through. We long to provide and protect. We're image bearers. Yeah. We're created in the image of God and so we reflect his image, Paul says in Corinthians, and with ever increasing glory. So when you come across men who aren't experiencing that, you know, they, I love when they find us and go, Okay, how do we do that? And, and 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 you know, that that that's a great place to start. How do we do that? Well, let's go back and let's go back and recover. From some of the things that have happened to you, one of our favorite questions, uh, Jim, to to men and women in our conferences, is, is what what if, what are the what are the odds that you've interpreted your life accurately?
0: <laughs> That's good. What are the odds that you've interpreted your life accurately?
2: And if there's any margin of error in there whatsoever, then you are susceptible to something false and there's another taking that further falsehoods there's another word for that lies and Jesus says in our story is a character who's the father of lies and how many lies does it take to keep a good man down just one good one one and maybe a backup or two
0: yeah, but that <laughs>
1: that's
2: that's the point you know so if, if we don't understand how the story works and that there's an enemy that there's agents, there's orcs, there's that the, the kingdom of darkness is going to use us against one another and our false self and, and sin. But God wants to partner with us for life and love and freedom. I mean, we're in a huge story, huge story. And Man, what you say, do, it all matters. It yeah. all matters.
0: Well, I love the fact that you keep referring to orcs it makes my 100 times of watching the movie and thinking it's yeah. the greatest book ever written it makes right. me feel pretty good about myself so you you talk about defaulting to these to the fault. we default to our false self yeah. and and that's what we're talking about right here what can you can you articulate that to our listeners what do you mean by false self what does that self look yeah. like what does that self act like what does that self think yeah. like
2: yeah it, that's well it There's some, yeah, I'll try to swing at it generally, but, um, (laughs) you know, Paul talks about it in Galatians five and, and there's the fruit of the flesh and there's a fruit of the spirit. And I'll tell you, if you want to read a great list, an awful great list, go to Eugene Peterson's The message and read, read the message version of, of, um, the the flesh, the false self, the evident, the evident thing of the false self. So Um, when you ask that, um, so another thing that we talk about is, you know, formative years. So, you know, that, that, the wonder years, the formative years in our lives when we're three, four, five, up through eight, nine, 10. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Things have happened to us that happened early that could are are very well, very much in that list of things that we might've interpreted inaccurately. And there's another category of things that have happened to us. No, you didn't, you didn't interpret it inaccurately what your mom, dad, uncle, grandparent, what somebody did to you, stranger, what they did to you was not good. So you didn't interpret it inaccurately, but it, but it's in your system. Now it's in this in, in, inter, internal system that does need help. Um, it needs help from somebody who can bring healing to those things that have happened to us. So what happens is the beliefs and the attitudes that we hold in our in our psyche in our subconscious that's what the term heart really is in the scriptures we you know 80 90 years ago we came up with this term uh, subconscious well that that's old ancient hebrew talks about the heart and and it's more than the hallmark card feelings it's about it's about emotion it's about intellect it's 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 where your belief system is stored in your heart, and that's why both kingdoms are at war over your heart. And what you give your heart to, what you give your heart to, uh, is 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 you, you know give your that's your treasure. You know Jesus said in Matthew six. So yes. my point is all that to say is background to the false self. If you've interpreted some things inaccurately, if there's some lies, and the effect or infect of those lies are operational in you. Then And you've never, even though you're a believer, you've never gone with Jesus back to the dismantling of some of those beliefs, attitudes, and perspectives. I told you at the very beginning some of my story. I accepted Christ into my life 286 times. <laughs> That's a belief that I had that it wasn't working. I'm not good enough. He must not you know, be, be loving me enough. I mean, there's just a lot of mess in there. So where does that go when you're 38 and working in a ministry? I mean, some of this stuff you'd like to graduate from, but some of these core beliefs when, that we hold when we're younger, when we get older, they hold us. Yeah. What does it look like to go, and, and like we you said, to dismantle, to reform, to go through your own personal reformation with God? And it wasn't that the pastors in church were lying to me. I'm just saying that there were things in my life that, that because of athletics, because of sports, because of loss and, lo- and, and, and even for some of us trauma in the, in the abuses and awfulness of fallenness in this world, there's things that have happened to us that, that, that affect us and our ability to be loved and loved. So the false self is that character that, that resides with, with us, even when we come across the kingdom line and become a kingdom citizen. There's some of the residual effect of sin, and it comes with us across the line, and and it affects us in a way that Paul, Peter, James, and John write letters to the first century believers about identity. That's not who you are anymore.
0: Yeah.
2: Why are you aligning with that old life? You're a new creation, and on and on and on. So, you know, for me, my false self was... um, was needing to prove you know self-sufficient uh self-provision with athletics it was it was it was a tryout every day yeah and uh and you had to prove your worth um and you were afraid that you were going to lose what you had or you were afraid that you were never going to get what you really really wanted playing time validation acceptance worth so all that stuff jim is bound up in this false self-conversation it's it's not just like wearing a mask or a suit, which is a good illustration. It's really more tangled up in that. It, it, it's more knotted up in within us, and and I think Jesus is is just an incredible, um, you know, he he can undo knots. He can bring, he he can make straight what what the world, the enemy, Satan, and and our false self has made so crooked. And what does that look like to walk with him? to see the false self, not so dominant. You're an athlete. Here's the last thing I can say about the false self. When I, when you come into the kingdom and you learn the kingdom ways, I think like we're exploring and talking about, here's my question. Do you, are you a good player who occasionally has a bad play or are you a bad player who occasionally has a good play? I like that. I like that. And in the ki- in the kingdom, we're we're good men, who should have a lot more defaulting. We're just doing what we do. We play well. We know how it works. We know how this how how to how to enter into the battle, how to compete, how to how to love well, and and we're not on the line. Our our validation and worth is not on the line. That's secure. That's what I mean by when that gets in place, then you're less. You're more true self dominant. And less false self dominant. But for those who have yet to make that conversion, and I do think in faith in the faith journey, there's more than one conversion. I think there's many, many conversions of I, I, I've learned something new. It's changing me. God is showing me who I am, and He's and He's showing me in real time, and in real real opportunities to love. And, and love well, or be loved, and, and bring that to the world. So the false self—that's what I mean. That's a that's it's a big, big, big part of the book, and I think it's a big, big encumbrance to uh, a, re- a life that's reliant on God for life and love.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, we're and we're running short on time here, so I got a few things I want to run by you. Sure. So I mean, what you were saying there is, I see. Uh, I used to think faith was like a mountain experience, where you climb a mountain but it's yeah. really it's more helical it's like this yeah you're, you're great. experiencing circular, this yeah. circular so upward, upward circular. and upward and circular yeah right yeah. so we're constantly having these these experience yeah. with God as he deals with or as you would say unties uh, one more uh, one more knot in the rat's nest of our life so yeah. that we can actually use that reel to fish you said on, on page 102 something I thought was really profound I think it, again it goes back to this is the starting point of it all you said God you just said it made a real simple uh, statement God designed the human machine to run on himself. And I thought, you know what, we've got to, to, to find our orientation. We've got a lot of men listening to this podcast who sp- are spiritually disoriented. And yeah. I, even though they're Christian guys, they're, they're, they they right. don't know who they are, they don't know where they are, and they don't know why they are, and they're disoriented. And I think a lot of times in America we're taught, uh, in the American churches, we're taught, hey, if you just give Jesus this peace— but really, he's not interested in the piece. He's not interested in the part of our life. He wants all of it. He'll take what he can get, but he wants all of it. Uh, you said this on two different parts in your book, and I'll use this as kind of my last, one of my last questions for you. You said this, and I love this statement. Uh, and I think this is, uh, I wrote down in my notes, and I realized, oh, wait, you already answered in the book. I said, what does a disoriented man look like? And what does an oriented man look like? And we talked about the orientation, but I want to take it one step beyond that and here it's in your book you said a beloved son is one who experiences the unconditional love of his father in a way that deeply impacts him and leaves him with these three things and i this this may be my favorite part of the book nothing to hide nothing yeah. to prove and nothing to fear now i wrote next to that nothing to hide dash humility or, i'm sorry nothing to hide dash holiness nothing to prove dash humility and nothing nothing to fear, and I wrote dash, hungry. You know, blessed are those who hunger for righteousness, they will be satisfied. There's a hunger in this man, and the hunger for God overcomes the fears that would hinder him. And so I wrote down, he's holy. In other words, he has nothing to hide. He's humble. He has nothing to prove, which is the validation that I really had to work through a couple years ago. And he's hungry. In other words, he has nothing to fear. So yeah. wa- I love that. Walk us through some other thoughts you might have.
2: Yeah, it, and, and some of that came through the contrast of the false self has something to hide, something to prove and something to fear. Yeah you know, that, I mean you want if, you, if you're looking for you know uh, a false self detector, like a metal detector, anytime that you you feel that you have, you have to strive or prove or you're afraid, I mean that's Kingdom of Darkness one hundred and one stuff. I mean, and and a, and a wonderful, important to understand one hundred and one. It can it can get even more sophisticated, but it's still those things. Yeah, you know, for example, when you played football when you were little, you know they ran a play in, and it was you know the backs were numbered one, two, three. The line was numbered two, four, six, one, three, five. And what was the play, Jim?
0: Twenty-six power, baby. Yeah, he just is a number. That's yeah. not how.
2: That's not what we learned from Peyton Manning. I mean, Omaha, for goodness' yeah. sake. <laughs> you know, the plays become Red Dog, Blue, Alaska, fifty-six, uh, Winget uh, ninety-four, uh, Oregon, and so. But it's still those those basic plays. So, but my point is, this stuff graduates, and, and you should be graduating in the sanctification journey of becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And so Jesus is the example, and he's our friend, our king, our shepherd, and our savior who showed us what does a life look like with nothing to hide, nothing to prove, and nothing to fear. And so if the false self is those things, then the true self is that thing, is, is Jesus. And yeah. that's what we're becoming. As image bearers, the father wanted his image bearers back. He, he paid what he was glad the scriptures say to pay to bring us home. And now he wants to grow us up as men and women into an identity that is so special and so good that the invitation is, is up and into more Uh, and, and the results, the fruit of an oriented man is, is a man with nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to fear. That's the results. I don't think Jim, it would help our listeners to invite them to, to try to be that, What we want to invite them to is intimacy with God, connectedness with God, and and that the fruit of intimacy with God is a life of nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to fear. You can't go out and do that. That's a work of God in you. But what you can do is come to God for intimacy, oneness, and connectedness, for your sense of being, well-being, who you are, and, and let him tell you, let him show you. This is a very... What we're proposing is a very interactive relationship. Absolutely. Not a secret admirer, not an anonymous, but a very—one who would put on a coffee mug or a coffee cup in Oregon a quote by St. Irenaeus to to move you in a way that nobody could tell you that that wasn't God on a coffee cup. Really? Come on, man. No, God's got— resources and tools and equipment to, to bring us into and further and further up and into life than, than we than we could possibly imagine. The question is, back to orientation, do we see it? Can we see it? Do we hear it? Or is there things in the way of receiving that kind of love? And what if those were everyday events? What if those were two or three day, Two or three moments? How many moments has God in in a day, right? That's the yeah. trick question. How many moments has God in, in a day, and and then the next where, where it gets indicting is the answer. Well, tell me one from yesterday. Tell me one from today. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. What, what if, but what if I, I'm not saying that in, in an indicting way? I want men to be able to say, Oh, let me tell you two. Let me tell you what God did in my life yesterday. What what God and I did together yesterday. Who He brought into into my story this afternoon. It was so cool. And this is what. And and I think when we start, con- we start. Bringing that kind of understanding, that kind of sight, that's—I think—that's how Jesus lived. They, he, and he and the Father just—I think—they had a ball in the midst of the battle. Yeah, in the absolute midst of the battle.
0: Well, I had a pastor friend of mine. I asked him the other day, "So, what's God doing in your life?" And he said, "Oh, well, I'm getting ready to do this in our church." Yeah, I said, uh, <laughs> "Wait, hold on. What is God doing in your life?" That's great. So, I love Matthew six thirty three. I think it's a summation here. Uh, Seek first His kingdom. Mm-hmm. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. And so I love it. In your book on yeah. page 102, you said, God does, or you said, well, I'm sorry, 131. When people see, because this is the goal, right? When people see a free man, they will either call him crazy or want to be like him. And then Eldridge in his book that you and I both love so much, Wild at Heart, he wrote, let the world feel the full weight of who I am and let them deal with it. In other words, the free man walks in the freedom. Yeah. That will intimidate some, annoy others, cause fear uh, right. in others, but it will attract and be a magnet to those who really seek truth and who really seek to be the best version of themselves through Jesus Christ. So, hey, one last yeah. question here at the Man Card Podcast. Our men in the arena define manhood as five things protecting integrity, fighting apathy, which you actually dealt with pretty extensively in one part of your book, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Uh, of those five things, which uh, resonates with you the most today and why?
2: Wow, today <laughs> um, Yeah, protecting. Um, you know today's today's a good day for protection, yeah, um, defending, you know, when I hear protection, there's a defending and and there's there's something valuable that um, that I want to uh today is is uh it's good day to be on watch protecting guarding guard you know like proverbs four twenty three above all else guard our hearts mm-hmm. and 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 the hearts of others you know you've got to put your oxygen mask on first and then you can help then you can help others there in the in the crisis in the crash in the challenge and mm-hmm. so
0: Appreciate that, man. So, hey, how can our listeners? They want to know more about your ministry. If they want to come to one of your camps, mm-hmm. and you do camps for men, and you do camps for married couples. Yep, and correct. M- women,
2: so, women, and married couples. Yeah, we just came off a rendezvous weekend, which was a married, uh, married marriage getaway, and um, and in we've got a uh, we've got a heart of a warrior um, weekend coming up in December. That's um, that's already kind of come and gone availability but the next the one that they're taking registrations for now is in March so yeah we need to get you in. uh uh, you and your partner Dale, there. Uh, into whoa, whoa, board. hold on a second. We're, we're hold not on partners. A
0: second. We're not partners. I have a beautiful <laughs> wife I'm married to. That's, <laughs>
2: that's funny. That's really funny, man. I, I, I forgot. I forgot we're on man card. Your brother. Your <laughs> whoa, brother whoa. in all. My our,
0: brother from another mother. Your, your
2: brother from <laughs> another mother. That's right. Brother. Yeah, hey, okay, let's but, talk
0: about that. I was thinking about getting Dale and his wife and my, me and my wife out to one of the couple weekends. Yeah.
2: Yeah, those are great. Those are great. And and so we, you know, we explore orientation together. I mean, there you are with your partner, with your significant best friend. And what does it look like to walk into orientation together? And, and, and we say all the time, back to back swords out, you know, rather than, unfortunately, so many marriages experience that face to face, you know,
0: swords drawn. Oh, I understand that program. Back to back. We've so drawn swords a few to, times.
2: Yeah. Friends, uh friends of, of the podcast can go to the Zoe website, Z-O-W-E-H is Zoe, Zoe.org. And then uh yeah, you can poke around like you did there. The Heart of a Warrior stuff is there. Um YouTube, we have YouTube stuff that um some of the conference sessions. Uh we uh, the, the U Version Bible app is a great place to for those who do the devotional plans, the reading plans, they can catch Heart of a Warrior on the U Version Bible app. And those are places to kind of investigate and explore with us what what we're talking about.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And uh, we're going to, I'm going to send my partner, Dale, to go look up that <laughs> stuff. And uh, hey, man, Mike, Michael, thanks for coming on the, the podcast. I can't wait to interview you again on the second part of this book next week. And so thanks so much for coming on the show. So guys, you've been listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Guys, changing your world's the toughest thing you're ever going to do, but we want to help you along in your journey by bringing great guests on our show so you can partner with us or partner with them. Guys, make sure you go and enlist in our army. Download our free the great hunt for god app subscribe to the man card podcast join the men in the arena closed facebook forum for men where we partner with other organizations and have a lasting long daily discussion on what it means to be the best version of the man that god has called you to be guys until next time join us in building an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best versions themselves and changing their world because when a man gets it everyone wins until next time feel the wet sand on the arena floor hear the deafening roar of the crowd taste the sweetness of victory smell the stench of battle get in the game get dirty grind it out and be a man
1: this is dale culver and you've been listening to the man card podcast has your man card been challenged today if you hunger be the best version of you then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed facebook forum called the men in the arena this is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his No Holds Barred Style, Distinguishing Between Men and Boys. If you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode, The Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man.